Welcome to The Word for Today, featuring the Bible teaching of Pastor Chuck Smith, founder of the Calvary Chapel Movement. This radio program is a verse-by-verse study through the entire Bible. And on today's edition of The Word for Today, Pastor Chuck continues with the blessing to come as we pick up in Isaiah chapter 2, verse 4. And now with today's message, here's Pastor Chuck. And he shall judge among the nations, and shall rebuke many people, and shall beat their, they shall beat their swords into plowshares, and their spears into pruning hooks, and nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war any more. O house of Jacob, come, let us walk in the light of the Lord. Looking forward to that glorious day when Jesus is reigning, and the military budgets are used for agricultural development, beating their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. The day is coming when no one is going to have to fear war anymore. You're not going to have to fear mass destruction. You're not going to have to fear the exotic poison gases, neutron, hydrogen bombs. They'll study war no more. The war colleges will all be closed. The Lord will reign. Therefore, now God is, this is the blessing that's going to come, but before the blessing can come, there's going to be some rough times. Therefore, thou hast forsaken thy people, the house of Jacob, because they be replenished from the east, and soothsayers are like the Philistines, and they please themselves and the children of strangers. Their land also is full of silver and gold, neither is there any end of their treasures. Their land also is full of horses, neither in the end of their chariots. Their land also is full of idols, and they worship the work of their own hands, that which their own fingers have made. So the idea of man worshiping and serving the creature more than the creator is brought up here. Men worshiping the works of their own hands more than the creator. What an apt description of humanism. And really the materialism of the present day where man has placed his value upon the material objects, the work of his own hands, rather than upon the Lord. God speaks of this time. And the mean man bows down, and the great man humbles himself, therefore forgive them not. Enter into the rock, hide thee in the dust for fear of the Lord, for the glory of his majesty. The lofty looks of man shall be humbled, and the haughtiness of men shall be bowed down, and the Lord alone shall be exalted in that day. For the day of the Lord of hosts shall come upon every one that is proud and lofty, and every one that is lifted up, and he shall be brought low. Now, this could very well be referring to the time after the exodus of the church. For when the church makes its exodus out of the world, it's going to be a time of great world prosperity for a time. At the beginning of the reign of the man of sin, people are going to be singing happy days are here again because this man is going to come in with a program of peace and of economic prosperity and they will move in to take the wealth of the church that has departed. Now they're going to have this 20 acres and these buildings, my house, 
My car? They can have it all, you know. And suddenly you're going to have all of this extra thrown in to the whole economy. And, and you won't have the housing shortage in Orange County. There'll be a lot of empty houses for people to move into. People can grab a second car. And they're going to really get into a, a real materialistic kick because of all of these things that have been left. But then, after three and a half years, then God is going to bring down the proud. God is going to begin to smite the earth. The day of the Lord of hosts shall be upon everyone that is proud and lofty and upon everyone that is lifted up, and they will be brought low. Upon all the cedars of Lebanon and those that are high and lifted up and upon the oaks of Bashan, and upon all the high mountains, upon the hills that are lifted up and upon every high tower, upon every fenced wall, upon all the ships of Tarshish, upon the pleasant pictures, the loftiness of man shall be bowed down, the haughtiness of men shall be made low, and the Lord alone shall be exalted in that day, and the idols he shall utterly abolish. And they shall go into the holes and the rocks and into the caves of the earth for fear of the Lord. Remember in Revelation, in the sixth seal, it said, and they cried unto the rocks and mountains, fall on us and hide us from the face of the Lamb. For the day of his wrath has come, and who shall be able to stand? Going into the holes and the rocks, the caves of the earth, for the fear of the Lord and for the glory of his majesty, when he arises to shake terribly the earth. God said, once more, I'm going to shake this earth until everything that can be shaken shall be shaken, until only that which cannot be shaken shall remain. And all of these lofty works of men. Man, I wouldn't want to be downtown Los Angeles when this shaking takes place. All of these lofty works of men brought low. In that day a man shall cast his idols of silver and idols of gold, which they have made each one for himself to worship to the moles and to the bats, and they'll go into the clefts of the rocks, to the tops of the ragged rocks for the fear of the Lord and for the glory of his majesty when he arises to shake terribly the earth. Uh, you read how that in Athens and in Italy there, after the earthquakes, the people were living outside. They were afraid to go back in the houses because of the shaking and all. Be the same experience only on a worldwide basis where people will be afraid to move back in the houses and they'll get a cave or something to live in for a while for fear of the shaking that has taken place as God once more shakes the earth terribly. Cease ye from man whose breath is in his nostrils, in other words, don't trust in man. He has to breathe just like you do. Better to trust in God. Put your confidence in him. For wherein is man to be accounted of? For behold, the Lord of hosts does take away from Jerusalem and from Judah the stay and the staff and the whole stay of bread and the whole stay of water, the mighty men and the man of war, the judge, the prophet, the prudent, the ancient, the captain of 50, the honorable man, and the counselor, the cunning artificer, and the eloquent orator. And I will give children to be their princes, and babes shall rule over them. And so God is speaking now, it would seem of a more of a near local kind of a situation rather than the long term that he had spoken of in chapter 2. 
The people shall be oppressed, every one by another and every one by his neighbor. The child shall behave himself proudly against the ancient and the base against the honorable. When a man shall take hold of his brother in the house of his father, saying, Thou hast clothing, be thou our ruler, and let this ruin be, in our, be under thy hand. And in that day shall he swear, saying, I will not be a healer, for in my house is neither bread nor clothing. Make me not a ruler over the people. For Jerusalem is ruined, Judah is fallen, because their tongue and their doings are against the Lord to provoke the eyes of his glory. The show of their countenance doth witness against them, and they declare their sin as Sodom and hide it not. They have the same kind of open, flagrant demonstration of their sin as did Sodom. They don't seek to hide it, but they become very brazen in their desire for recognition. Woe to their soul! for they have rewarded evil unto themselves. Now say to the righteous, now he's to comfort the righteous. In the midst of all of the devastation that is to come, say to the righteous that it shall be well with him. It's going to be well with you. <laughs> when God shakes the earth, it's going to be well with you. For they shall eat of the fruit of their own labors, but woe unto the wicked, it will be ill with him, for the rewards of his own hands will be given to him. As for my people, children are their oppressors, women rule over them. O my people, they which lead thee cause thee to err and destroy the way of thy paths. God's talking about the corrupted government at that time. Sounds sort of familiar. The Lord stands up to, the, to plead and stands to judge the people. The Lord will enter into judgment with the ancients of his people and the princes thereof, for ye have eaten up the vineyard, the spoil of the poor is in your houses. What mean ye that you beat my people to pieces and grind the faces of the poor, saith the Lord God of hosts? Moreover, the Lord saith, because the daughters of Zion are haughty, and they walk with stretched forth necks and wanton eyes, walking and mincing as they go, and make a tinkling with their feet. Therefore the Lord will smite with a scab the crown of the head of the daughters of Zion, and the Lord will discover their secret parts. And that day the Lord will take away the bravery of their tinkling ornaments about their feet, and the calls and the round tires like the moon, the chains and the bracelets, the mufflers, the bonnets, the ornaments of the legs, and the headbands and the tab let's end the earrings and the rings and the nose jewels and the changeable suits of apparel and all of the mantles and the wimples and the crisping prins, pins, the glasses, the fine linen, the hoods, the veils. And it shall come to pass that instead of a sweet smell, there shall be a stink, instead of a girdle, a tear, and instead of a well-set hair, baldness, and instead of the stomacher, a girding of sackcloth and burning instead of beauty. And thy men shall fall by the sword, and thy mighty in the war, and her gates shall lament and mourn, and she being desolate shall sit upon the ground. And here God is describing the judgment that is to come upon Judah and Jerusalem for their iniquity. Speaking of the proudness and of the material aspects of their lifestyles, but how things were going to be changed because they didn't take God into consideration 
in their lives. How Judah and Jerusalem were destroyed and ravaged by Babylon. Now the Lord looks on, I mean, Isaiah looks on through the Lord to the future. In that day, seven women shall take hold of one man, saying, We will eat our own bread, we'll wear our own clothes, only let us be called by your name to take away our reproach. It was a reproach to a woman in those days, of course, not to bear a child. But there will be a shortage of men, so seven women will take hold of one man and say, Hey, We'll take care of ourselves. We'll provide our own food and everything else, but we want you to take away our reproach and give your name, really, to our child. But in that day shall the branch of the Lord be beautiful. The branch of the Lord, of course, is one of the terms by which Christ is described. The branch of Jehovah. He is called, actually, the branch of David. And... um, Jehovah's servant, the branch, in Zechariah. And um, the term branch is used many times in reference to Jesus Christ. In that day shall the branch of the Lord be beautiful and glorious, and the fruit of the earth shall be excellent and comely for them that are escaped of Israel. And it shall come to pass that he that is left in Zion and he that remaineth in Jerusalem shall be called holy, even every one that is written among the living in Jerusalem. When the Lord shall have washed away the filth of the daughters of Zion and shall have purged the blood of Jerusalem from the midst thereof by the spirit of judgment and by the spirit of burning. And the Lord will create upon every dwelling place of Mount Zion and upon her assemblies a cloud and smoke by day and a shining and a flaming fire by night. For upon all of the glory shall be a defense. And there shall be a tabernacle for the shadow in the daytime from the heat and for a place of refuge and for a covert from the storm and from the rain. So going ahead again from the darkness of the impending judgment and the long period of time in which the Gentiles shall rule to the day of the Lord when he shall once again rule and Israel and Jerusalem shall be blessed and the center of God's righteous reign upon the earth. Now in the fifth chapter, the Lord takes up a parable of a vineyard in which he likens Judah or Israel, the nation, his people, unto a vineyard. Now I'm going to sing to my well-beloved a song of my beloved touching his vineyard. My well-beloved hath a vineyard in a very fruitful hill. He fenced it. He gathered the stones out of it. And you that have been over know What a job that is to gather the stones out of the vineyard. And you see how that they gather the stones and make walls with the stones and terraces with the stones. There at the vineyard. And you that have been there can get a good mental picture of that. And he planted it with the choicest vine. He built a tower in the midst of it. Some of these watching towers you'll still discover over there. As you go through the land, they, they have these towers where during the summer season, the people move out of the cities and onto the plots of ground that they own in the country. And on these plots of grounds, they have these towers. 
And in these towers are the living quarters for the family. And while they are taking care of the crops and harvesting during the summer and autumn period, they live in these towers out in the midst of the fields. And the towers, of course, also served as watchtowers where they could watch over their land from people who would come and try to steal the fruit of the land. So um, he built a tower in the midst of it, and also he made a wine press therein. And he looked that it should bring forth grapes, but it brought forth wild grapes. And now, O inhabitants of Jerusalem and men of Judah, judge. I pray you between me and my vineyard. Now you determine, you make the judgment. What could have been done more to my vineyard than than I have not done in it. In other words, God said, what more could I have done for the people? I brought them into the land. I established them there. They built and established their cities. They planted it. And I did everything for them. What more could I have done for them that I haven't already done? Judge. Wherefore, or why is it that when I looked and it should have brought forth grapes, that it brought forth wild grapes. Now go. I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do to my vineyard. I will take away the hedge thereof, and it shall be eaten up. I'm going to break down the wall thereof, and it will be trodden down. And I will lay it waste, and it shall not be pruned nor digged. And there shall come upon it briars and thorns that will also command the clouds that they rain no rain upon it. For the vineyard of the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel and the men of Judah, his pleasant plant. And he looked for judgment, but behold, there was oppression. He looked for righteousness, but there was a cry from those who were being oppressed. God was looking for fruit from his vineyard. Now, Jesus said, I am the true vine. My father is the husbandman. And every branch in me that bringeth forth fruit, he purges or cleanses it that it might bring forth more fruit. Again, over there in the land, you will notice as you go through the area of Eshkol where they grow some of the most delicious grapes in the world. Man, they're great. If you go over there in October, it's just fabulous. But you'll notice these grapevines in Eshkol grow on the ground. Big old main branches that are along the ground, and they prop them up with rocks. Now, they do have some of the grapevines on trellises, but through the Valley of Eshkol, most of these luscious grapes actually grow right on the ground. And you'll see these big old vines just growing along the ground and propped with rocks. And when the grapes come out on the vines, they actually lay right on the ground. So as the grapes are developing, they will go through the vineyard and they will take these grapes that are there on the ground, and they will pick them up and they will wash them. Get the dirt and all off of them as they are developing. And then we'll usually prop them on a rock or something in order that it might bring forth better fruit. If they just lie on the ground, then uh, the little 
uh, bugs and all start eating them and all. So they, they prop up the, the grapes after they've washed them in order that they might bring forth better fruit, more fruit. And so Jesus is making reference to this. Now, my father is the husbandman, I'm the true vine, and you're the branches, and every branch in me that is bringing forth fruit, he cleanses it that it might bring, he washes it that it might bring forth more fruit. Now he said, you are clean through the word that I have spoken unto you. The washing of the word in my life, the cleansing. Now, what is the purpose of the word? In order that I might bring forth more fruit for God. What is God interested in my life? Fruit. What was he interested in the nation Israel? That they would bring forth fruit. Why did he do so much for them? So they would bring forth fruit. Why is God doing so much for us? That we might bring forth fruit unto him. And herein is the Father glorified that you bear much fruit. We'll continue with more of our verse-by-verse Bible study in the book of Isaiah on our next broadcast. As Pastor Chuck continues to teach through the Bible, and we do hope you'll make plans to join us. But right now, if you'd like to order a copy of today's message, Simply order Isaiah 2 through 5 when visiting the wordfortoday.org. And while you're there, be sure to browse the many additional biblical resources by Pastor Chuck. You can also subscribe to the Word for Today podcast or sign up for our email subscription. Once again, that's the wordfortoday.org. For those of you wishing to call, our toll-free number is 1-800-272-WORD, and our office hours are Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Pacific Time. Again, that's 1-800-272-9673. If you prefer to write, our mailing address is The Word for Today, P.O. Box 8000, Costa Mesa, California, 92628. And now, on behalf of the Word for Today, we'd like to thank all of you who share in supporting this ministry with your prayers and financial support. And be sure to join us again next time as Pastor Chuck continues his verse-by-verse study through the Bible. That's right here on the next edition of The Word for Today. And now, once again, here's Pastor Chuck. May the Lord be with you and bless you and keep you. May he bring you into a fresh awareness of his presence, and may you experience a fresh work of God within your lives. May God help you in those areas of your life where you have experienced failures in your past, and may you experience God's power and God's strength helping you to overcome that you will not be overcome with evil, but you will overcome evil with good through His Spirit working in you. God bless and God keep. This program has been sponsored by Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa, California. Gather the kids together because the Word for Today would like to present a kid's book by Pastor Chuck called The Story of the Resurrection of Jesus. Each book contains an audio CD of Pastor Chuck reading this story, featuring the voice talents of Skip Heitzig. But I will come back again on the third day. Greg Laurie. It's Jesus! Hi, Peter. Raul Reese. See, it's really Jesus! Gosh. Cheryl Broderson. 
The stone was rolled away. The tomb is empty. And so many more. It's never too early to start reading to your children timeless biblical stories taught by Pastor Chuck. To order your copy, call the word for today at 800-272-WORD. Or to see a sneak preview, visit us online at thewordfortoday.org where you can order this book in print or as a digital download. Again, the number to call is 800-272-9673.